0: with food and clothing and prayer and they uh they're always out on the streets blessing the city of Tijuana so uh as you get gifts as you bring toys um know that they're not just going to our church in Tijuana but they're going to be blessing kids uh and families that aren't even in church yet so let's just make that box overflowing with gifts for the next couple weeks Okay, so a little survey before I jump into the Word of God with you today. For those of you that are visiting and those who are online, um, my name is John. I'm the senior pastor at the Gathering Place Church. This church rocks, and I'm, a, and I'm humbled to be the uh, pastor of the church. But this is more important. What would you guys say is, are the top foods that people hate the most at Thanksgiving dinner? Stuffing. Stuffing. Stuffing comes in at 12%. Say Stuffing. Green bean casserole made the list. 25%. Green casserole. 25 Adrena, 25%. Say uh. Okay, what else? Oh my gosh, that's crazy. That's the top one. Candied yams. 27% of people say leave the ca-. I th- I think they're awesome. I think there is one ingredient there is one dish on here side dish that I think satan Conjured up from the pit of hell, cranberry sauce. cranberry sauce. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Stuff is nasty. I think cranberry sauce and horseradish sauce need to be rebuked in the name of the Lord. That's it. I'm a church. All right. Okay. What? There's some other stuff on here. What else? Turkey. Turkey. That did not make the list. I, I, will, say, I will say this. Uh, w- one year, somebody tried to pass off tofurkey on us. And that was wrong. No. Sorry, Gary. Okay, here it is in order. Candied yams was number one. Green bean casserole was number two. Cranberry sauce, number three. Uh, this is like top down to the least. Uh, then comes in sweet potato casserole. Stuffing salad, which is odd. Uh, Mashed potatoes. Who are these people? And look, somebody like, and then there are people who actually said dinner rolls. Dinner rolls. It's going to ruin my Thanksgiving if you have dinner rolls with the dinner. That's really strange. All right amen all right here we go so um today i want to talk to you guys about um how god has designed you and i to not only survive but to thrive on this side of heaven bottom line you cannot do it alone so i want to talk to you today about letting your friends carry you through crisis Over the last couple of years in particular, it has been really hard. Mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, occupationally, relationally. It's just been like a napalm went off, right, in people's lives. I mean, there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of pain and suffering at every level and in every way all across the planet. And when you go through disappointment and suffering, the natural tendency is to recoil and to isolate. And that is a really bad idea. It will just get worse. It will fester in the dark. You have to bring it into the light of your friendships. Look at this. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two, let's read this out loud together. Two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. Let's go, church. Is it up there? All right, let's do it again. You guys, you awake? Here we go. Say it out loud. Here we go. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I wanna say, my, my wife and my family and I uh, have been going through a very difficult time the last couple of years, and we have been carried by our friends. Many that are in this church have carried our family, and I wanna thank you so much. Sometimes you, you, you can't always be the one that's up, that's not even reality, that's right? right? That scripture says that when one falls down, the other can help him up. Sometimes you're the one that's down. Sometimes you're the one that's up. That's just the way friendships work. I lead a uh, a network of uh, pastoral a pastoral friendship network here in the region. And so I'm always facilitating the round table. There's usually 10 or 12, 15 pastors that show, and we just go around and talk about a cheer and a challenge. What can you celebrate, and what are you, what, what are you struggling with? And we just all get real vulnerable. And I either don't go or I go last because I'm the facilitator, so you don't want to take up the airtime if you're the facilitator. But I came in uh, a while back, about halfway through COVID, and I mean, through uh, you know, my wife being diagnosed and people leaving the church for reasons that were not gospel centered and all that it, it, I was just in a really bad place and I showed up and I just started vomiting, you know And I apologized I said i'm so sorry. I I don't mean to take up all the air time And one of the other pastors says well, it's your month Because <laughs> the guy next to me the month before was just broken and we were ministering to him And then he seemed to be better 30 days later. And he's sitting next to me and his countenance has changed. He's kind of up and I'm down. Sometimes it's just your month. Okay. It's not forever. It's a season. You cannot find this phrase in the Bible. I hate this phrase. God will not give you more than you can handle. You can't find that in the Bible. I believe that phrase comes from a scripture that says that no temptation has come against you but that God will give you a window of escape. That's talking about a sin temptation. That's not talking about a trial, a crisis. In fact, the Bible says that the way you and I actually fulfill the law of Christ, which we'll look at in a minute, is to carry one another's burdens. In the book of Galatians chapter 1, six, the first six verses, it talks about it uses the burden twice there. one the first, the first burden is like a boulder that crushes you, and you need some friends to help you lift that boulder up. The next use of the word burden is like a backpack. It says you're responsible for your own burden. That is, you are responsible to do what you can do for your life, and you're going to be held accountable to God for how you use your resources, how you endure trials, how you stewarded the things that God's given to you to steward in this side of heaven. But every once in a while, there is a boulder that just lands on top of you, and you need help with that. That's a different word for the word burden. The Bible is replete with examples of people who needed to be carried by their friends. And so let's look at, I think, one of the greatest examples in the whole Bible here. It says in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Those are true friends. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law were there sitting there and thought among themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Now, here's the phrase... That sticks out to me in this passage. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. Their faith. I don't know what to say about the faith of the guy in the mat. Maybe he had some. Maybe he said, hey, you guys, if you would just pick me up and carry me across town, I know that I'll get healed. i get to Jesus. I don't know. Or maybe he was completely out of faith because he had been paralyzed his whole life, and he's laying on a mat. There's no hope. And his friend said, we're going to get you healed. We are going to get you to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, that right there is the fulfillment of Galatians 6, two, which I quoted a minute ago, and that is carry each other's burdens, boulders, crushing trials. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Did you know that even Jesus himself had to ask his friends to help carry his burden at one time. Do you know that? Where was it, Rick? In the garden. You got it out, buddy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I misquoted I a scripture last week, and oh my gosh, you guys almost left the church, so I wanted to put somebody else on the spot. And he was like, Garden of Eden. No, not Garden of Eden, Garden of Gethsemane. I did it again. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, was under such stress. He said, I am so depressed, I feel like I am going to die. Please come, pray with me. The Son of God needed people at one point in his life. He had lousy friends. He needed better friends. They just all fell asleep and he was left alone. May that never happen to you. But even Jesus needed help. So unless you're better than the Son of God, just join the rest of the human race and accept help when you need it. What is the law of Christ? It is having compassion on one another. Not judgment, compassion. Look at these scriptures. For if we who are in Christ Jesus... Uh, for we who are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. You might again say, why are we talking about circumcision in church? Because in the Old Testament, the sign that you were in a relationship with God was circumcision because God is the producer of life. He made us in His image, and so we are able to create like He is. So He says, I am the Lord over creation. You recreate because I am the creator. In the New Testament, the, uh, the, the, adag- the metaphor is now, Paul says, our hearts are circumcised, meaning what God is the Lord of the new creation and he peels back our old hearts and gives us new hearts and we are born again. So in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. Jesus, it says, was moved with what? compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him said, I am willing to be healed. And another passage here, in Matthew says, and when Jesus went out, he saw great multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. For those of you right now that need help, let your friends have compassion on you. Receive help. Ask for help. Say yes when people offer help. Be humble and say, yes, I need help. I need my friends to help carry me through this season. And then I will help carry you when it's your turn. That's called the body of Christ. We're supposed to be the best at this. When you do not let other people help you, you are blocking God. Did you know that? God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. The primary way God is going to answer your prayers is through people. And so when you ask God for help, he will send somebody your way to help you. And we say, oh, no, 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 that's okay. Oh, no, 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 no. You just said no to God. And this is not an overstatement. This is the way God designed the body. He didn't give you everything. He gave you some. And then he gave the person next to you some. And the person next to that person some. Everybody has some. The Bible says that God has given each of you a spiritual gift to benefit The whole church. So when you are not here, hello, when you are not here, gifts are missing from the body of Christ. We need you and you need us. You can't have half a football team show up and win a game. We need you and you need us. Don't think that you're insignificant in the body of Christ. You have something to offer nobody else can offer. Even if it's the same gift, you have a different personality. You have different resources. You have different time allotments. You have to do your part. But did you know that the vast majority of healings, in particular, in the New Testament, were not accomplished by the faith of the sick, oppressed, or possessed person, but by the faith of a friend? Did you know that? It's like 75%, Mark actually studied this out, went through all the Old New Testament and found every healing or deliverance that took place and about 75% of them were accomplished by the faith of somebody other than the person in need. When we put the responsibility of a person's healing that is really down for the count, we put that pressure on them, it puts pressure on top of pressure. Now, I'm the first one to teach you've got to have faith in your crisis. I mean, there are plenty of passages where Jesus says your faith has healed you. I'm all about that. If you guys know me, if you've been in this church long enough, I am a faith preacher unapologetically because faith moves mountains. You can't get saved without faith. Here's some scriptures. I'll give you an example just to give credibility to this side of the equation. In the book of Luke, Jesus says to the man, stand up and go your way. Your faith, everybody say your faith, faith. has healed you. Luke 18, and Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. In the book of Mark, he says, and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leapt and he walked. If it is a lack of faith on my part, I want to know about it. It doesn't offend me if somebody would say to me, you need more faith. I'll say, if that's true, I'll go get some more. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to get into prayer. I'm going to fast. And that has happened so many times in my life where I have gotten healed or I've gotten an answer to prayer based on the faith that I have exercised. There's one time where I had... Uh, uh, a, a sickness and i meditated scripture and meditated scripture and meditated scripture i got a bunch of healing scriptures memorized and meditating i put them on tape i listened to them in my, in my ears i would drive in the car and i would quote them and this faith exploded in my heart and i was healed but just recently i had a back injury and it wasn't an injury but a, a back pain i could not get rid of i have, i've had it for a number of years and I tried that method of getting healed on my own faith and it wasn't working. And then I went to a, a meeting with the leaders of our church and right when the meeting was over, we we're about to leave and said, hey, will you guys pray for me? They all laid hands on me and my back was completely healed. I needed the faith of my friends for that one. It's not either or, it's both and. Can I hear an Amen. But there are many more miracles in the Bible by the faith of friends rather than the faith of the person that is in need. You need to do your part. You need to do as much as you can, though, on your end of it. It's, it can be a combo. Sometimes it's completely the faith of another person. Sometimes it's completely your faith. Sometimes it's a combo, kind of like anybody here work out in the gym. Just raise your hand. If you've ever been to a gym before, you know what a gym looks like, you've... Look through the window as you've driven by. Okay, you guys know what a spotter is when you're on the bench, right? You know what a spotter is, and you're pushing up this weight, right? And as you're pushing up this weight, I didn't mean to offend people about working out in a gym. If we love people who don't go to gyms, all right. So, the, I just reminded them they need to work out. All right. So let's say, okay, you're on the bench and you're right. You're, 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 you, you want to do 10 reps. You're on seven. You're on eight. can't get it out what's happening it's coming back down oh have you ever happened to you you've been alone and it's crushing your chest what do you do you gotta yeah thank you kobe you gotta roll it down which is very very unpleasant at one point you can't roll it down anymore and so what you have to do is just like throw it to one side And if you don't have the clamps on, because you... you, I don't need clamps. You rolled to one side and the weights fly off one side. And you know what happens when they slide off? Yeah, bam, right? It goes the other way, right? And you're probably injured. Have you ever done that before? I have done that. I've done that many times. What's the the best way to work out? With a partner who can be your spotter where you've gone as far as you can. You can't go anymore, so they... Get, grab under the bar, right, Elvis, and they help you. Everybody say, help you. Help. One of my favorite movies, sorry, there's a lot of cussing. I'm so sorry. My Cousin Vinny. It was made a, a hundred years ago. My Cousin Vinny. Anybody know that movie, My Cousin Vinny? Yeah. He wins, it, he wins his first, his first uh, case in court, and, uh, but he got a, his fiance had to help him, and he was upset about it. And uh, she said, you know, I think this could be signs of things to come. And he goes, what do you mean? You win case after case after case. And what a nightmare. You will have to thank somebody who helped you win the case. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare that would be. He goes, I just wanted to do it by myself the first time. God did not design you and I to go through life alone. Look at this scripture says in Job 6.14. When desperate people give up on God Almighty, their friends at least should stick with them. There are going to be times in your life, maybe some of you right now, you just do not have faith for what you need. Your faith has ran out. You've tried to get more. You've tried to pray. You've tried to read scripture. you come to church. You've tried to praise. You've tried to do all the spiritual disciplines that preachers tell you to do, and it's just not working. You're in fear. You're in doubt. You're in unbelief. Well, join the rest of us. There are times where your faith runs out, and it's time for you to raise your hand and say, I need help. I need the faith of my friends. I, you know, have been through enough crisis and been doing this long enough that I've, I'm, all, I'm, I'm beyond calling my friends for help. My friends call me and ask, do you need any help? I have friends who call me every week because I've asked them to call me Ask me how i'm doing ask me what help I need because I have found That's the way the body of christ works I can't I don't have a, it all for myself We are a body just like what isabel was saying earlier. She was quoting that scripture I've never heard that scripture used of the giving scripture in 35 years of ministry I thought, that's the Holy Spirit talking to us right now because I'm going to talk about us being a body and that we all need one another. Look at you. All right. Amen. Well, actually, it's both of you. Josh and I were talking about this the other day. Sorry, I'm going to use that. I'm going I'm to use what you just said. When people say, you know, oh, you say, oh, my gosh, you sounded so beautiful singing today. It's like, oh, no, it wasn't me. It was all God. Well, it wasn't that good. it's always a partnership god could do it without you but he won't that's what i like what josh says it's a hundred percent me and it's a hundred percent god that's the right combination right there god wants you to use every ounce of your capability and then he jumps on top of that and says now watch how far i can take us Mm -hmm. okay People helping people in the Bible. Let's start with Jesus, uh, book of Mark, chapter 9. It is often, uh, this guy comes to Jesus for his son. It is often thrown, this, this condition has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. His son was demon possessed. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. How many of you can pray that prayer today? Come on, just be honest. Help me, just say it. Help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, Let's try it again. Help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, as a church, let's say ours, okay? Help us overcome our unbelief. That's a great prayer. When Jesus saw the crowd running to the scene... He said to the father, if you just had more faith, you could have done this. If your son had faith, he wouldn't be thrown into the water or into the fire. Too bad. Is that how Jesus responded to them? No. Jesus took it upon himself. The guy had enough faith to come to Jesus, and he was honest. He said, I have faith, but I also have unbelief. Help me. Jesus healed the boy with his faith. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. I have a friend, when I was a youth pastor, he was also a youth pastor, and he was telling me about being at a youth camp, and this girl was sick, and she needed healing. And Steve walked up on the scene where this group of people were walking away from her, and she looked really depressed. And he said, what's wrong? She said, I needed healing and they told me I needed more faith. And they walked away. Again, I want to say, I don't mind being told I need more faith. Jesus said that to his disciples. There was another guy with a son who was demon-possessed, and the disciples couldn't cast the spirit out. Jesus came and cast the spirit out, and they said, why couldn't we do it? They were shocked, because Christians are supposed to be able to do this, and they had already done it many times. But this one, and Jesus Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Now imagine a pastor telling a congregation or a congregant that today. Why couldn't I get healed? Well, because of your unbelief. Now, he knew that was the fact. Sometimes that's not the case. There are many different reasons why people don't get their breakthroughs. Sometimes it's because of a lack of faith. But Jesus, but they didn't like, you know, curl up in a ball and suck their thumbs and say, oh my gosh, my pastor said I didn't have enough faith. Jesus said, because of your unbelief new levels, new devils. This kind of stronghold needs greater faith. And then he says, so let me teach you how to get more. And then he taught him on the nature of faith and how to develop more faith. So if it's a lack of faith, I want to know that and I will get more faith. And I've, I've had that experience before I was praying for something and the Lord told me it's because of your unbelief and I went and got more faith and the miracle happened. That does happen. However, If a person is in a situation where they just don't have it, get him healed on your faith. And so my friend walks up to her and she said, they said, I needed more faith. And he could tell she just didn't have it. And he said, you're going to get healed on my faith. And he prayed for her and she got healed. Yeah. Yeah, Ron, go ahead, buddy. Yeah. You almost started a revival. It's like, almost. And then we had two or three and then, ah, oh, I'll keep preaching. We'll see if we can get there. How about Jesus raising the boy from the dead in the midst of his own funeral? Did Jesus say, well, if the boy had enough faith, he wouldn't have died. Well, if the boy has enough faith right now. He could raise himself from the dead. Or if the mother had enough faith or the mother has enough faith now or the people at the funeral. have No, Jesus walked up on the scene and used his faith, faith in his face and he raised the boy from the dead. Wow, wouldn't you like to be there for that? Jesus came and raised the girl from the dead. Everybody laughed at him, but he did it anyway by his faith. Jesus didn't go up to the crowds. Look, so often we put so much responsibility on the receiver to have the faith. You know what it says? Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw a crowd of people and many sick and lame. And it says he had compassion on them and then interviewed every one of them to see if they had enough faith to be healed. He went to every one of them and said, Now look, I want you to meditate scriptures day and night for the next 30 days. Or let's talk about your family's history and generational curses. Okay? Now all of that is fair game. But sometimes you just need to walk up in the scene in the name of Jesus and do the miracle. That's right. yeah. Without putting so much pressure on the sick or the, the oppressed or the possessed person. Amen. Jesus didn't interview the crowds. He just started healing all of them. Am I preaching to the right church? Am I preaching to the right congregation? You might say, "Well, yeah, that was Jesus." Oh, okay. Let's try Peter. In the Book of Acts, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which is Greek, and, which in Greek is Dorcas. I remember one of my church members; they were pregnant, and he said he was going to name his daughter Dorcas, and the wife was really upset. And I said, "Dude, this is not first century, okay?" Greece they didn't she was always doing good things for others and helping the poor and about this time she became ill and died her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room but the believers had heard that Peter was nearby so they sent two men to beg him please come down as soon as possible as Peter returned with them as soon as he arrived they took him to the upstairs room the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them but Peter asked them all to leave the room. You know, Jesus did the same thing. He he, he got the unbelief out of the room. Yeah. Right. Jesus did that too. And Peter watched Jesus, and then he did what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus was the example. Peter and the other disciples were the examples. Now it's our turn. So Peter had them all leave the room. He knelt down and prayed, then turned to the body and said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up, gave her... Gave her his hand helped her up Then he called in the widow and all the believers and he presented her to them alive The news spread throughout the whole town and many believed in the lord Should he have made the girl responsible to raise herself from the dead? Should he made the parents responsible if you only had enough faith? Should he made the mourners responsible the friends? No, he walked into a situation and he realized nobody here has faith. So i'm going to use mine Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that friend? You can be. Another example. This guy was born lame. He couldn't walk his entire life. His whole life, he would sit at the front door of the church, and people would walk in and they'd ask for money. Peter and John come walking up, and he looks at them expecting to receive money. He wasn't expecting to receive a healing. He didn't have any faith at all for healing. That's not what he was there for he was there to receive money But peter said I don't have any silver and gold for you, but i'll give you what I have uh-huh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. What do you have You have the same thing peter had Did you know that let's see what he had in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. The guy didn't have any faith. Jesus, Peter didn't preach to him if you only had more faith. He said, you're going to get healed of my faith. And later, when he got healed, all the crowd ran out, and they started worshiping Peter and John. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't by our holiness or our power this happened. This is by faith that comes through the name of Jesus. Made this man whole. Who among you in this church are going to have faith for your friends? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12. Ron. Oh, I was going to say, man, come on. You were almost the source of revival a few minutes ago. Now you're behind the ball. I said, who is going to have, who among you is going to have faith? For their friends. All right. All right, there we go. Come on. I want to pastor a faith filled church that's alive and ready to serve and help and sacrifice and cast demons out and heal each other. Who among you, here's a, here's a worse question who among you is going to allow your friends to have faith for you? I will. I will do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mark and I have been doing this too long. To be cocky about it. It's like, yes, I'll take your money, I'll take your cars, I'll take your faith, I'll take your healing, I'll take your encouragement, I'll take whatever it is you want to give to me. free lunch. Free lunch. <laughs> One of the benefits of having faith-filled friends is because it's much easier to have faith for a friend than it is to have faith for yourself. Why? Why do you, okay, I get a lot of amens on that. Why do you think that's true? Why is it easier to have faith for somebody else than for yourself? Oh, don't deserve it. Shame. Isn't that weird how we do that to ourselves? As though your friend deserves it, but you wouldn't? You're a lot, it hasn't happened yet, so you start to Okay, so you've been praying a lot, it hasn't been happening, so your faith is decreasing. Somebody else said something about history, what? Okay, same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been praying. It hasn't been happening. Somebody else. Emotions, emotions versus faith. You you feel it. It's a lot harder for a drowning person to save themselves than for a person who's not drowning, right? I mean, you are feeling the emotions. You feel the physical pain. You're the one living with the physical pain. You feel it. It's much harder to have faith when you are the one experiencing the trial Then somebody else will walk up on the scene and just say, get off my friend. I want to balance this out again and say it is important for you and I to have our own faith and to be developing our faith and to be seeking God. And you can get some pretty powerful breakthroughs on your own. And it's important for you to contribute your faith as much as you have to your friend's faith as they come along. But I also want to say to you, it is okay if at some times in your life, you just don't have faith. Because if you have faith friends, their faith can get you set free. And that's called the body of Christ. Oh, check it, chugga it, check it, 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 Woo! <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm coming to a close. This isn't just about healing. I want to show another. This is we got to broaden this out. Look, this the church is supposed to be the best at compassion. We're supposed to be the first ones on the scene, giving mercy and compassion, not truth first, mercy first. Mercy and truth run together all through the Bible. They're like cousins. Mercy and truth, mercy and truth, mercy and truth. Only twice I did a word study on this. Only twice does truth come before mercy in the Bible. Mercy, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. People that are suffering don't need a sermon. They need compassion. The woman caught in the midst of adultery. The first thing Jesus did was got the shame off of her. Then he said, don't do this anymore. It's sin and it's darkness. Follow me. You'll have the light of life. The Bible says tie mercy and truth, or put them around your neck and on the tablet of your heart. Mercy, And truth, and then you'll have favor with God and with mankind. Mercy always comes first. Think about the Good Samaritan. Think about if you know the story in the Bible, this guy is going along the road and he gets beat up and robbed, and he's half dead on the side of the road. Religious people walked by and just ignored him. The priests and the scribes and the Pharisee, they saw him, didn't want to come near him because he was unclean. The only people Jesus gave truth to without any mercy was the religious people. He even called them names, vipers, serpents, whitewashed tombs with dead men's bones on the inside of your soul. You don't care about anybody. But for everybody else, the biggest, fattest sinners on the planet, mercy and then truth. Mercy. I'm your friend. Let's go to your house and have lunch. I love you repent they both have to be there but the mercy is always first you think the good samaritan should have walked up to the guy half down on the road and said how did you get yourself in this situation okay let me talk to you about stewardship (laughs) let me talk to you about walking alone on a road in the middle of the night you know if you had enough faith this wouldn't have happened you know, if you had enough faith, you could get yourself up out of that gutter. You know, if you had enough faith, you could take yourself to a hotel and pay and get some good sleep. No, the guy used his faith to bring healing to the guy. You know, some people hate the church and uh, they just hate it because they're haters. They just don't like Jesus. They don't like the morals of the church. But a lot of people hate the church and it's our fault. So let's not be that church. Okay, a couple of scriptures and we're going to close it up. James chapter 2, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters at the Gathering Place Church and online community, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is deeds it is indeed useless. Mother Teresa said this, I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that, but now I pray that he will guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. I used to pray for answers, but now I'm praying for strength. I used to believe that prayers change things, but now I believe that prayer changes us and then we change things. I take issue with that last sentence, absolutely prayer changes things, but it doesn't change everything. Sometimes it changes us, and then we go and we be the change that we're looking for. Yeah. Awesome. Let's do it right now because I the next thing on my nose is close. <laughs> I'm going to
1: close it. <laughs> uh, while he was talking, I actually I shared this in the prayer room a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I was pastor in a church for many years they would call me when people were dying because I had faith to lead people to the Lord that were unsaved I just had faith to do that and so this one young man in our church he says my sister's dying of AIDS this is about 25 years ago and, and uh, could you come pray for her she's not saved and it was in San Francisco so we went and we're, we started to pray for her and there was this big nurse she was about 6 foot butch like this, over the bed, looking at us. And I, I told um, my friend, I said, could you get her out of here? And, and, and he said, he went up to her and says, this is my sister, and we want privacy. This is my pastor. And she said, I ain't leaving, like this. And I went, all right, fine. Come with me. And we went and found the supervisor. We told the supervisor to get her out of there. And the supervisor went and got her out. Unbelief. Remember what you said about Peter. Got the unbelief out, and we prayed for. Her, and I had faith that she was going to get saved. I just had faith, and she did. She started weeping, crying, accepted the Lord, and then we prayed for healing for her. Well, she's on her. She's got a few days to live. She's dying of AIDS, and I had no faith for that, but I prayed anyway. I prayed for healing for. Her. We prayed for healing. And we didn't see any signs of that, but signs that she got saved. So we left. And about a week later, he called me, and I figured, well, you know, we're going to do a funeral now because she's dead. He, he, oh, you great man of faith. <laughs> great man of faith. <laughs> he calls me and says, my, my sister is not only saved, but God healed her and brought her out of the bed. And I went, oh, you have little faith. Yeah. Here's, here's, the, here's what I want to share is. Step out in faith anyway. You see what I'm saying? You never know what's going to happen. I go, I had no faith for her to get healed. She was on her last stages of AIDS. You know? And, but God came through. Yeah. I didn't feel anything about her healing. God came through and healed her. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. So, you had enough faith to take a risk, you had enough faith. To step out and to pray the prayer. That's why I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I lay hands on my wife every day, multiple times a day. I anoint her with oil. I had a dream the other night. I had my hand on her shoulder and I literally was sucking the tumor out of her shoulder. I saw it coming through her skin. I think that was what Mary called that. I told her, she said, "That's, that's a faith dream. That's the Holy Spirit helping you have faith. I'm fighting for it. I'm fighting for faith for you. I want you to fight for faith for me and faith for one another. Let's be a faith-filled body of Christ. Sometimes you're down, but you got faith friends. And sometimes you're up and you've got a friend that needs your faith. That's just the way it is. It's the body of Christ. So let's all stand this morning. And if you have a need in your life, this is how I'm going to do this today. Rather than having the prayer team's you know, the professional prayers pray, you're the body of Christ. You can have faith for someone when they don't have faith. Or you can blend your faith with their faith. So if you have a need today, it could be a cold to cancer. It could be you need uh, wisdom. You need a word of knowledge. You need um, God to make a way where there is no way And whatever your situation is. I'm going to ask you to be humble and to raise your hand. And then for those that are around you, Rick's got his hand. Those around you, you got a hand here, hand here. Come on, body of Christ. Let's be the body of Christ. Keep your hand raised. And those of you that don't have your hand raised, you see people with their hand raised, go to them right now, ask them what their need is, and use your faith to help your brother or sister, okay? We're going to do about five minutes doing this. Come on, go ahead and do that. Just turn to a person that has their hand raised, ask them what they need, and let's believe for one another.
2: I've searched the world And they couldn't fill Man's empty brains treasures of faith i ever never known and You came along Put me back together There's none aside Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you There's nothing, nothing is better than you Oh, I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws You still call me friend. As the God of the mountain, as the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace
0: won't find me again. Use your faith, church. Use your faith. Believe. Believe. There's not all things are possible that He and she that believe.
2: Oh, There's nothing better than you Oh there's nothing there's nothing that's better than you Oh there's nothing better than you Oh there's nothing better than you Oh there's nothing oh, There's nothing, there is nothing that's better than you Turn mourning to dancing you give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. Morning, you turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. Brave. You turn graves into gardens You turn bones into armies You turn seas into highways You're the only one who can You're the only one who can You're the only one who can can. There's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Better than you. Oh, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Prayer, keep keep going, keep pressing in. But if you'd like to continue worshiping, you're more than welcome to to stick around. We're gonna sing this song again. Sing with all your hearts. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures of faith. Never know
3: you came, Lord. Put me back together,
2: and every desire is now satisfied. Hearing you, love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, oh, there's nothing, there is nothing that's better than you. I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. Show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, you've seen them all, you still call me friends. Because the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley And there's not a place Your mercy and grace won't find me again Oh, there's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing, there's nothing that's better than you. Oh, there is nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing, there's nothing that's better than you. bless your name, Lord.
3: We receive, we receive it, Lord. Let faith arise, let faith arise. The gift of faith, Lord.
2: It's falling to the ground Dude.